If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. Here is Adam Burke. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome into this edition of VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. I'm your host, Adam Burke. Our second episode here of the podcast as we get ready for the 2023 Major League Baseball season. Talked last week about the rule changes and some of the things I'm looking for early on in the season. Today we'll talk American League as we preview the American League on Monday, National League on Tuesday, some general baseball betting tips coming up on Wednesday, and then of course opening day on Thursday with all 30 teams in action. So we'll kind of get in the more traditional format of the show. We are doing the show Monday through Friday, at least at the outset. Maybe we'll add a Saturday show as we get deeper into the season because right now you got a lot of day games in the month of April. It's tough to get a quick turnaround on the podcast and get some listeners on it. So we may change that possibly once we get deeper into the summer. But for now, Monday through Friday, and then my daily article over at vcin.com posted Monday through Saturday. The goal here is get this podcast out about two or three o'clock Eastern time with that Monday through Friday. It's tough turnaround with Pacific time and with writing the article. Uh, but we'll do the best we can to get this out to you in as timely of a manner as possible. Before I dive into the American League, I just want to remind you over at vcin.com, you can read my 30 team previews, deep dives on every team, at least a lean for every season win total. I do have five picks out of the 30 team previews and may add some here this week before opening day gets going, but also the MLB betting guide over there at vcin.com as well. I have a piece in there about rule changes Steve Mackinan contributed some stuff, Josh Applebaum as well. So you can check that out over at vcin.com slash subscribe. And a special offer going on right now that you can check out over there at the website as well. So let's dive into the American League here. We'll start with the American League East. Could be a very, very interesting division to say the least here. I'll run through each team as we go division by division on today's show. Try not to spend too much time on every team, but there are, of course, some more talking points 
depending on the roster that you're talking about. And the Yankees are one of them here. Season win total 93 and a half over at DraftKings Sportsbook. They are plus 130 to win the American League East. And obviously the big talk about the Yankees here so far, all of the starting pitcher injuries that they're dealing with, Frankie Montas already out for the year. Carlos Rodon has been slowed by a forearm injury in spring training. Not supposed to be all that serious, but with a guy like Rodon, his injury history, and anytime you talk about a forearm, that's definitely a really concerning thing for the Yankees. Then Luis Severino hurt once again. But the nice thing is, you know, Johnny Brito's pitched really well here in spring training. They still have Nestor Cortez. Clark Schmidt will slot back into the rotation. And they have Garrett Cole, who's up there among the AL Cy Young favorites. Still a really, really strong baseball team, even with the injuries they have in the starting rotation right now. Lineup, of course, looks great since they've got Aaron Judge back. Anthony Rizzo had a big year last year. Giancarlo Stanton mostly stayed healthy. Uh, Anthony Volpe making the opening day roster. He'll be the starting shortstop at just 21 years of age. The Yankees, top to bottom, look like a very strong team and the deserving favorite here in the American League East. I will talk as the season goes along about some betting angles I'm looking for on certain teams. Don't really have any as of yet with the Yankees, but there will be some people that look at this rotation and, and kind of downplay this team at the outset. I don't believe that. I still think they're in very good shape. Matt Blake is an excellent pitching coach. So the Yankees definitely set up for a very, very strong season here. So are the Toronto Blue Jays. Their season win total over at DraftKings Sportsbook 91 and a half. They are plus 200 to take down the title in the American League East. Great lineup. Not a big surprise. But the thing about this lineup that you need to remember they get a boost this year because they moved the wall in in right center field. Now, they did height. They make the wall taller, but they brought it in. So for a team that hits for a lot of power, the Blue Jays are going to be very, very strong at home this season. Also, they brought in Brandon Belt, Dalton Varsho, Kevin Kiermeyer, three left-handed bats to help out what has been a right-handed heavy lineup. So a guy like Varsho should certainly get a nice boost from that right center field wall. The pitching staff is the question here for the Blue Jays. Beyond Alec Manoa and Kevin Gossman, what do you get out of Chris Bassett? Is he able to stay healthy? And, and Jose Barrios and Yusei Kikuchi last season, very pedestrian to bad numbers for those two guys. So depth is a bit of a concern in this Blue Jays rotation, I think. But Manoa and Gossman up at the top, two really, really solid pitchers. I don't love the bullpen necessarily. So the Blue Jays, to me, look like a team that will once again play a lot of high-scoring games, but that will be accounted for in their totals. And, of course, we'll have to wait and see what totals look like here for the regular season based on the rule changes and the early returns that we get where we should have more hits, more stolen bases. It's my assumption we have less power league-wide just because left-handed batters will now be able to hit the ball on the ground without worrying about the shift. We won't have less power from the Blue Jays. They should be maybe the best offense in baseball, but certainly – a top five unit. Things get a little bit more interesting, I think, with the rest of the American League East from this point forward with the Tampa Bay Rays. Their season win total 88 and a half. They're plus 340 to win the American League East division here. Look, Randy Rosarena and Wander Franco, two high quality players. The rest of the lineup, though, I'm not totally sold on. And when you look at this starting rotation, it could be great. They've got a Cy Young candidate type of guy in Shane McClanahan, who, of course, missed time in the second half last year with an injury. You've got Jeffrey Springs, who in his first full season as a starter was virtually dominant for this Rays team. Drew Rasmussen was really good as well. 
But McClanahan does have some injury risk. They've had multiple of their starting pitching prospects have Tommy John surgery. They've had some injury attrition with the bullpen as well. And with guys like Springs and Rasmussen, we're talking about, you know, pretty big innings increases year over year for them. As I mentioned, Springs, a guy starting for the first time at the major league level, 135 and a third innings last season, over 33 appearances, 25 starts. He only had two starts in his career prior to that, had never thrown more than 44 and two thirds innings at the MLB level. That's a really big workload increase for a guy who's there's a big guy, 6'3", 218. He's probably built for it. But how will the arm respond going from basically a 90 inning increase year over year to now being expected to make, you know, 25, 30 starts once again, something like that. So I have concerns about that with a guy like Springs. Similarly, Drew Rasmussen almost doubled his career high in innings pitched the MLB level. He had 76 in 2021, 146 in 2022. I bet the Ray is under 88 and a half wins for this season. And that's a tough one for me. I'm very sabermetrically, um, I guess I should say sabermetrics really factor into my handicapping a lot. And the Rays are the smartest team in baseball. But I see enough concerns with this team in a division that should be pretty good to think that the Rays may fall short of expectations here. They won 86 games last year. Franco had a uh, Franco had a big injury. He missed ample time. But Springs was great. Rasmussen was great. McClanahan was awesome in the first half. They still only won 86 games last year. So I like the Rays under 88 and a half. The Boston Red Sox are kind of an intriguing team here because they have lots of needs, I would say. They brought in Corey Kluber. He'll be the opening day starter. If Chris Sale's healthy, that helps the rotation tremendously. I like Tanner Houck. I like Cutter Crawford, but this is just not a very strong rotation. I know some people are kind of buying into Nick Pavetta because he was bad against the AL East and good against everybody else. And the schedule has changed this year. Instead of 19 games against division opponents, you'll play 13. So Pavetta will run into the Yankees and Blue Jays less often. But I just don't see a lot of upside with this Red Sox team. And neither do the betting markets. Season win total 78 and a half. They're plus 1,500, 15 to 1 here to win the American League East. They made what I think is the smart decision between extending Rafael Devers and letting Xander Bogarts walk. If they can only keep one, Devers is the one you keep. Masataka Yoshida, will he be the guy who was such a great hitter over in Japan? I think that's a fair question. Tristan Casas is a guy who's up there in terms of the American League Rookie of the Year. But I just don't see a lot of upside in this in this lineup. Otherwise, I think this is a pretty fair number at 78 and a half. Some people may disagree, but I think that the Red Sox are a team that could have another average to below average season, especially by the standards that they've set. The Baltimore Orioles, 76 and a half, their season win total 25 to one to win the American League East. I don't believe that they do that, but I do think this team is pretty good. Uh, you know, they've got Adley Rutschman, of course, who came up and, and had a very, very strong uh, second half of the season last year for the Orioles after he kind of got accustomed to the big leagues. Gunnar Henderson, top prospect in baseball, according to fan graphs, he should be up for the full year for the Orioles. A couple of their other top prospects, though, kind of disappointing in spring training here in Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. They're going to go down to AAA, try to get themselves sorted out, probably be rotation help for them as the season goes along. And that's something you want to look at with Baltimore here. 
if a guy like Kyle Bradish or a Tyler Wells is struggling, you can bring up Rodriguez and or Hall to fill those spots. So this Baltimore team may look a lot different as the season goes along than it does now. I think that the improvements that they made from last year are sustainable. And I do think this team is capable of going over 76 and a half wins. Didn't bet it, but I do think that they have some upside. They're a very well-run organization. They've got some executives that were formerly with the Astros who came over and incorporated, you know, a lot of player development, a lot of advanced metrics kind of brought the Baltimore Orioles into the present day, as opposed to where they were previously kind of being, you know, five, 10, 15 years behind the curve. So I do think this is a team that can build off of what happened last year with winning 83 games. So didn't bet the season win total over, but they are a team that I will be looking to play on as the season goes along here. We shift gears over to the American League Central, where you got the Cleveland Guardians, my personal favorite team. I say that. I want to be honest and upfront about that. Cleveland native, up until I moved out here to Vegas, I know this team inside and out. I know the farm system inside and out. Yes, I root for them. Yes, I watch every game, but I try not to ever let any of those biases get into my handicapping here. But I have to say this, when you look at the Guardians here, and again, as I said, season win total 86 and a half, they're the favorite plus 130 to win the American League Central. When you look at teams that are best equipped for the rule changes, and I talked about this on the last podcast, no team in baseball is as well equipped for them as Cleveland. And it's not even just on the offensive side, but it does help. They don't strike out a whole lot. They steal bases. They have a lot of really, really good base runners. But one of the things that's going to be interesting to follow as this season goes along are the defensive metrics of teams because you don't have the shift anymore. The thing for Cleveland is they have elite defenders at multiple positions. Andres Jimenez, Gold Glover at second base. Ahmed Rosario is not an elite defender, but he's an above average shortstop in a lot of ways. Steven Kwan and Miles Straw in the outfield both won gold gloves. Jose Ramirez at third base probably should have won one. So this is a scenario for Cleveland where they have defensive chops. And with these rule changes, the idea is to increase offense, right? Well, if you can be one of the best teams at run prevention in an environment that also benefits your offense, there's a very realistic possibility that this Cleveland team has one of the best records in the American League, if not all of baseball. With that being said, a lot of rookies made their debuts last year. And you wonder if a guy like Jimenez can build off of last season. You wonder if a guy like Stephen Kwan will continue to be the table setter at the top of the order that he was. You wonder if Jose Ramirez, coming off of a thumb injury, is able to stay healthy and be that middle-of-the-order bat. Also on the pitching side, Tristan McKenzie left his last spring training start with forearm tightness. That's never a good thing. The back of this rotation, I think, is a little bit shaky with Aaron Savale, Cal Quantrill, and Zach Plesek. But the one thing that's important to keep in mind, and maybe more important than ever because of some of the rule changes, bullpens and bullpen depth will be extremely important. You have less recovery time between pitches now, so you may see managers shy away from using guys back-to-back days want to make sure that they're good for the long haul. So deep bullpens should, and they always had an advantage, but they should have a bigger advantage now, and Cleveland's bullpen runs remarkably deep. So I do think that there's a lot of upside for the Guardians. Didn't bet their win total one way or the other, 
but you can understand why there are a lot of supporters for this team out there in the marketplace and why they have you know some of the shorter odds to win the World Series. They get a lot of places in that 12 to 1, 16 to 1 range because they're kind of set up well for this. Minnesota Twins, season win total 83 and a half, plus 215 to win the Central Division. A lot of people seem to prefer the Twins to the White Sox. I tend to disagree with that notion, but a lot of this for Minnesota comes down to will Byron Buxton be on the field? Because they have a pretty good lineup, an above average lineup, but Buxton is the guy that really creates the ceiling for this team. He's hit for a ton of power over the last couple of years. Seems like maybe they'll get him off his feet a little bit, playing the designated hitter role as opposed to being out there in center field. But when you look at his last two seasons, and the problem is he's only played 153 games over those two seasons, he's hit 47 home runs and about 640 plate appearances. So the equivalent of one full Major League Baseball season, 8.1 F4 for Byron Buxton over the last two years. Does he stay healthy? If he does, then the Twins have a much higher ceiling. If he doesn't, well, then they have a little bit lower of a ceiling. And they did bring in Pablo Lopez. They got him from the Marlins for Luis Arias. That was a quality move for them. I do like their rotation quite a bit, especially because they add Kenta Maeda back in the mix, coming back from Tommy John surgery. I think Joe Ryan may have the best numbers of anybody in this rotation. I'm that high on him. And Tyler Molly is a guy that you know they got him from the Reds. He made four starts and then wound up getting hurt. So that's one where you know the Twins do have some upside, I think. But at the same time, I could also see them falling short of those expectations. Next up here, we take a look at the Chicago White Sox. Their season win total 82.5 plus 250 to win the American League Central. This is a really interesting team to me for a few different reasons. I think this is a boom or bust kind of team. They brought in a, a new hitting coach, and I believe his name is Jose Cortez uh, from the Atlanta Braves. And the thing about him is that he's a big believer, Jose Castro, excuse me. He's a big believer in elevating the baseball. He has the mindset that the Atlanta Braves have had of, you know what, we're going to strike out a little bit, but we're also going to hit for a lot of power. We're going to do a lot of damage. We're going to drive in a lot of runs. That's much different from what the White Sox had last season with Frank Menachino as their hitting coach, who had a decent MLB career, but he never hit for any power. He was kind of a punch and Judy slap hitter type of guy. That is not at all what this White Sox lineup should be. That was the true definition of a square peg and a round hole. And frankly, so was Tony La Russa managing this ball club. So the White Sox offensively look really interesting to me. They have to stay healthy, though. You know, Luis Roberts been hurt a lot. Eloy Jimenez has been hurt a lot. Yes, Monty Grandal missed a big chunk of the season last year. And not that he's an elite hitter anymore by any means, but he has an elite walk rate, and he's a pretty good defensive catcher, which will matter quite a bit with the increase in steals and, and stolen base attempts this year. But there's a lot to like about this White Sox lineup, especially with a change in philosophy where they're going to try to drive the baseball and hit for power. I love that. Their rotation, Dylan Cease at the top, you know, one of the short prices to win the Cy Young, Lance Lynn. Lucas Giolito, keep in mind Lance Lynn missed some time last year with a knee injury, came back, wasn't super sharp, but then in the second half, he was dominant for this White Sox team. If Giolito bounces back, this is a pretty good-looking rotation. The bullpen, certainly wish they had Liam Hendricks and certainly wish him the best. 
uh, with his cancer treatment. And, and the most important thing is him you know, getting healthy and beating that. But this is a pretty good bullpen, too. So the White Sox, to me, if you're looking to get involved in a World Series future, and I don't bet the short prices, I have no interest in taking the Astros at 6-1 to one, or the Yankees or the Braves at 750. I have no interest. First of all, you could probably get a better price during the season. Second of all, they more or less have to win it for you to cash that ticket, whereas you can bet somebody further down the board if they make the playoffs, then you get an opportunity to maybe hedge or something like that. The White Sox are 40-1 to at DraftKings to win the World Series. Do I think they can win it? Maybe. Do they stay healthy? Does this new offensive philosophy come through for them? Does Lucas Giolito bounce back and give them that true number three starter that you need in the playoffs? I think all of those things are plausible. So the White Sox are a boomer bust team to me. I think their season win total 82 and a half is very, very fair, but they're a team that if everything clicks and it's a possibility, they could be a World Series contender. They could win this central division, which you know, when you look up and down the divisions here, I mean, this is the lowest win total for, you know, a division favorite. So this AL Central is wide open in a lot of ways. I think the White Sox could be the team that walks through that door if the Guardians stumble a little bit. And I could see them being live at 40 to 1 come playoff time where, you know, home runs are magnified, hitting for power is magnified because the strikeout rate increases because you have so many good pitchers in the playoffs. This could be a team that ends up being pretty well positioned for the postseason if they're able to get there. Kansas City Royals, I can save a little bit of time with these two teams here and not run too long with the pod. The Royals, 69 and a half. They're 30 to 1 to win the Central Division. Same thing for the Tigers. Win total 69 and a half, 30 to 1 to win the AL Central. I'll say this about the Royals. As I was going through and, and doing my preview on them, which again, you can read over at vsin.com for all 30 teams. Their offense looks better than I thought it did. Vinny Pasquantino is a really nice piece in the middle of this order. Michael Massey down at the bottom of the order is a bat that I like quite a bit. Bobby Witt Jr. should be fine. MJ Melendez, he hits for a little bit of power. Not a big Salvador Perez guy, but he's able to hit the long ball as well. This is kind of an interesting lineup. The pitching staff, though, not very interesting at all. I don't really like any of the starters outside of Brady Singer. You got Zach Granke in the twilight of his career, Jordan Lyles, who had bad home road splits uh, pitching for Baltimore last year, where you know Baltimore did some things to uh, you know deep in the left field wall, wound up being a really big positive for their pitching staff. Lyles had some big home road splits, no longer with the Orioles. I don't like that at all. I don't like this bullpen. So for the Royals, no investment on their season win total. However, I think betting overs with them on a game-by-game -game basis may end up being pretty profitable. So that's something I'll be looking to do early on in the season here. Hope that lineup performs a bit better than last year. Maybe I can steal some value with betting their overs before the market catches up. And with regards to the Tigers, there's, there's not a whole lot to really love in this lineup. I mean, hopefully Riley Green takes a big step forward in his age 22 season. It would certainly help if Austin Meadows is healthy. You know, a guy who had a big year a couple years ago for the Rays, Missed most of last season with injury. Obviously, you hope Spencer Torkelson, if you're a Tigers fan, kind of figures things out here a little bit. But there's just not a whole lot of upside on this team. Last year, they had a really good bullpen, but they stripped that for pieces and parts in the trade market at the deadline last year. This year's bullpen definitely looks a few steps behind that. 
The rotation could be decent. I like Matt Manning. And I like Spencer Turnbull. And if I bet on the Tigers, it'll be on one of those two guys because you have to pick your spots with bad teams and try to isolate the starting pitchers that you can back at a plus money price to hopefully keep you in the game and maybe even turn it over to the bullpen with a lead. I think Manning and Turnbull are two guys that can do that for this Tigers team. So no interest in their 69 and a half season win total. But again, one of the reasons why I write these previews to isolate spots, matchups, pitchers that I think we can back and maybe have some success with. I think Matt Manning and Spencer Turnbull will be two of them there for the Detroit Tigers. We move on to the American League West division. Highest season win total in the junior circuit is the Houston Astros. 95 and a half. They are a minus 175 favorite to win the AL West. And keep in mind, they won the AL West by 16 games last year. Now, I know they don't have Justin Verlander, but I don't know how much that matters. This is still an elite rotation. Very, very good lineup exceptional bullpen. They had one of the best bullpens in baseball throughout last year. Now, of course, they are missing Jose Altuve for the first couple of months. We'll see if that ends up being an issue for them. Personally, I don't think so. The lineup is is really deep, and they had Jose Abreu, who, as I mentioned, you know, last year the White Sox were just all about trying to put balls in play and make contact and all that. Well, Abreu had a nice year from a batting average standpoint, but he didn't hit any home runs. He only had 15 home runs last year. This is a guy with four five actually 30 homer seasons to his name he had 15 home runs in 679 plate appearances last year that won't happen again with the Astros where he's got the Crawford boxes in short left field he should be able to pepper those all year long there's really no weakness to this Astros team I did write in my team preview about how they may have some decisions coming up down the line Uh, we'll see if they're willing to keep running a really high payroll because they're going to have some guys that they have to extend uh, some young players that are, you know, do some pretty hefty contracts. But for this season, it's hard to say that there's a better team in the American League than the Houston Astros. Uh, no equity, I don't think, in betting the, the season win total 95 and a half or the division price. You may find a better division price. In fact, I'm sure you will as the season goes along. But the Astros look not flawless, but pretty close to it. That being said, the Seattle Mariners, their season win total here, 87 and a half. They're plus 320 to win the American League West division. I don't think they do that, but I think they go over their season win total. I really, really like this Mariners team. They've got star power and Julio Rodriguez. They may have the best rotation in the American League with Luis Castillo, who they got from the Reds at the trade deadline last year, a full season with him. Logan Gilbert kind of came into his own. Robbie Ray was outstanding, but the only thing anyone remembers from last year, him giving up that home run to Jordan Alvarez in game one of the division series and George Kirby, George Kirby gave up one home run in 65 plus innings in the second half last year with over a strikeout per inning. He really developed very nicely and he'll be the fourth or fifth starter for this team. Marco Gonzalez is the weak link, but you can use him at home at T-Mobile Park and kind of be okay with it but this is a very deep very talented bullpen a very deep lineup the bench is solid as well they've got good depth there I like a lot of things about this Mariners team my favorite win total bet in the American League is the Mariners over 87 and a half even though you definitely have improved rosters here with both the Angels and the Rangers which I'll get to in a second 
but I just love this Mariners team. And Jerry Depoto has also shown, look, we're contending now. I'm going to go out and get what I need to get, you know, and they, and they go and get a guy like Castillo last year. That was definitely something I think helped them tremendously. And this season they pick up Teoscar Hernandez, a good bat guy who makes violent contact hits for power. Colton Wong gets on base a lot, can steal some bases. Perfect player for this new environment with the rule changes. And then AJ Pollock, a guy that's coming off of a little bit of a lost season, didn't really seem to fit in in Chicago well. But again, as I mentioned, I hated Chicago's offensive philosophy last year. So any White Sox that have moved around, I kind of expect an uptick in their numbers. So I like this Seattle team quite a bit, over 87 and a half, one of the win total plays for me. The Los Angeles Angels. So when you've got Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, you know, you've got a pretty high floor, to say the least. I mean, those are the two best players on the planet. Otani doing things we've never seen before, going to be a half a billion dollar player or more in his next free agent contract. It's a decent lineup around those guys. I'm not really buying Brandon Drury a whole lot, but Taylor Ward played well when he was healthy. Jared Walsh, the guy that can swing the bat a little bit. Good depth. The rotation has really improved. I love Patrick Sandoval. He was so good last year that he kind of chopped some of his value from a game-by-game betting standpoint. But I really, really like him. Over a strikeout per inning, a guy that has tremendous upside. He's only 26 years old. They bring in Tyler Anderson, which we'll see how Tyler Anderson does in this post-shift world because he's been a ground ball guy throughout his career. A lot of people I respect, including Paul Sporer from Fangraphs, who I was on Gil Alexander's Megapod with here uh, earlier Monday morning. He's a big Reed Detmers guy. Can't argue with that. The bullpen is mediocre. I think that's kind of a weak spot for the Angels here. We'll see if anybody kind of steps up, grabs the bull by the horns. But, you know, as a general rule, I don't like betting win totals with teams that are really dependent on a couple of guys for a lot of production because if they get hurt, nobody can replace them. And you can't even use like a cast of guys to replace them. So Tani and Trout, if either one of them gets hurt, it's curtains for the Angels. And of course, Otani could be traded at the trade deadline if the Angels are out of it. So no interest in their win total of 82 and a half for me. No interest in plus 750 to win the West. But I could understand why some people like them. I also understand why some people like the Texas Rangers. 82 and a half is their season win total as well, plus 850 to win the American League West. Look, I mean, when you add Jacob DeGrom, that's a headline grabbing move. And of course, we'll see how much the Rangers get out of Jacob DeGrom. Name the opening day starter. That's fantastic. But over the last two seasons, 156 and a third innings pitched over 26 starts. He only had 11 starts in 2022, 64 and a third innings. When he's out there, he's elite, unquestionably elite. He's the best pitcher on the planet when healthy. Is he healthy is the question here for the Rangers. And we don't know. And we don't know how long he'll stay healthy. And there are other guys in that rotation with health concerns. Nate Uvalde, Andrew Heaney, two guy John Gray has also battled some injuries as well. You've got five proven and solid major league pitchers in this rotation. But will they be able to stay in it is the big question. And I don't like gambling on health, particularly when you get a scenario like this where you could have cluster injuries at the position and all of a sudden you think you've got DeGrom and Uvalde and Martin Perez John Gray, Andrew Heaney. I think you've got all these guys, but maybe at some point you don't. And you have to go with, you know, the Spencer Howards 
of the world or, you know, Glenn Otto is all of a sudden throwing big innings for you or Jake Odorizzi, something like that. So those are the concerns for the Rangers. I think offensively they could be a lot better, but it's hard to bet on health from a starting rotation standpoint with this collection of guys. So for the Rangers, could be good, could be really good. But I think 82 and a half, a very fair number with them. What will be interesting to see is how they're priced on a game-by-game basis because we know DeGrom will be a massive favorite in virtually all of his starts. The other guys are pretty good too, but may not get the same respect on this roster. So that is what I'm looking for with the Rangers. And then finally, to wrap up the American League, a bit of a dud here, we'll say. The Oakland Athletics. Season win total 60 and a half. They are 250 to one to win the American League West. And frankly, that's missing a couple of zeros. Anybody who's good on this team will be on the trading block when the trade deadline rolls around. Just very little to like about the position player group here for this team. Even the guys with upside probably going to get moved at some point here, unless they're younger guys that are under contract control because the A's just don't like to spend money, understandably so. The starting rotation intrigues me a bit. I, I don't love Kyle Muller, the opening day starter for them. I don't love Shintaro Fujinami either, who comes over from Japan. But Ken Waldachuk and J.P. Sears, a couple of guys they got from the Yankees in trade last year. I think those guys are pretty interesting. I got to see Waldachuk against the Guardians in a spring training start. He didn't have his command, but that's a guy with some upside, a top 100 prospect for fan graphs. I think J.P. Sears fits really, really well into this ballpark. He's a pitch-to-contact type of guy, and of course, you know, look, it kind of comes down to defense with that, but keeps the ball in the park, you know, kind of a neutral batted ball split in terms of ground balls and fly balls. That's a guy I will try to look to bet on in Oakland home games. If I'm going to bet anybody on this Oakland staff, I think J.P. Sears will be the guy and and probably look to do first fives because the A's bullpen just doesn't look particularly good. I'll talk more about first five versus full game betting on Wednesday, and I'll also do a National League preview here on Tuesday. But hopefully that gives you a starting point for the American League as we're just three days away from opening day. So uh, hopefully you've enjoyed the first two podcasts we've had here so far. Rate, review, subscribe, get them wherever you get your podcast content, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, all the different places that are out there. Uh, Your support means the world to me. So, you know, check out the podcast, share it with your friends, family, uh, help us out, share it on social media. I'll be doing the same, of course. But uh, looking forward to this baseball season as days are winding down before the grind begins here with opening day coming up on Thursday. But again, as I said, National League preview comes your way on Tuesday here on VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. 
So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.